everybody welcome to episode six of in the flat podcast this week's title is the turning of the tide in honor of the aggies docking off the crimson tide over the weekend in a huge upset that game alone would make it a great weekend but there were so many close and crazy games that we have to talk about this week i would say it had to be one of the greatest college football weekends i've ever seen this with the amount of crazy you know blowouts shootouts upsets close calls so let's dive into it a little bit. Let's get first to the game I mentioned first, Alabama being defeated by Texas A&M um, in a very good game, 41 to 38. Um, the kicker Smalls for um, Alabama, for Texas A&M came up big with a huge field goal to win it for him. Zach Calzada went crazy, looking like Johnny Menzel out there in the field. Um, so, Ben, tell me about this game. Is um, Texas A&M that good? Did they just catch Alabama sleeping, or is Alabama in serious trouble? This felt like the Texas A&M team that we were kind of all looking for at the start of the season, right? We talked about them all during the preseason. Everybody seemed to, to agree that this is pretty much a top 10 team. And then, you know, they start losing games. They struggle against Colorado. They're, they're operating with their backup quarterback. And, and basically, I don't think anybody felt like this game was even worth talking about heading into this weekend. And all of a sudden, Texas A&M shows up. And I, I think you saw two things. You saw Texas A&M actually have the athletes that we know them to have, especially on the defensive line. The front four is very tough. They actually have the athletes to hang with Alabama. Not a lot of teams have that. I don't think Mississippi State has that this next weekend going up against Alabama. But Texas A&M does. They have the athletes to actually hang in there with Crimson Tide. The second thing I think you saw, the Texas A&M did not play timid in this game. They came out with guns blazing. They came out passing. They came out trying to to really get in Alabama's face. I think that's the way you have to play. Uh, unless you have some little secret that you know about a team, if you're going up against somebody that you pretty much know is better than you, you can't play timid. You can't try to shorten the game and all that kind of nonsense. You have to come out aggressive. And Texas A&M really did that. I was very much impressed by their attitude going all the way through that game and, and just starting out that way. Yeah, you make some really good points there. I think when teams fall into trouble is they – they try to, you said, slow the game down, really kind of try to control the clock against Alabama. And that's just, that's not a you know recipe for success, which is why I'm interested later on down the road, if Alabama and Georgia and them do meeting in the SEC championship game, that's how, that's how Georgia plays. They try to slow the game down. They try to run it down your throat and that's going right to the strength of Alabama. So I'm interested to see how that goes down the road there. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, I think Texas A&M just came out firing and, you know, left it all out in their field. And that really, I think, caught Alabama a little bit by surprise. And for the second time this year, after that close call in Florida and this one here, Alabama seemed to struggle a little bit on both offense and defense. Now, where I thought Bryce Young had a pretty good game, you know, if you look at just the stats and the yards, you saw he threw off 369 yards of three touchdowns. You would think that's a great game, but look a little deeper. He was 28 for 48. Um, and really just left a lot of throws out there on the field that he could have made. He's been making over the last few weeks. So I, I feel like, you know, there's some opportunity there and something close to watch Alabama in the next few weeks um, to see how they do, if they're going to struggle or they're going to dominate the rest of the way. Um, I, think the, I think the biggest thing out of this game is, uh, again, I feel like Alabama can't finish. I mean, like I have with the Florida game, they, you know, 
dominated and then slowed down and then Florida came back and almost won that game. And that's, I mean, I say it about a lot of teams lately. I think last week I said it again. And a couple weeks ago, I said it, it, it's just not finishing. Alabama had more yards. Uh, Alabama dominated that game. It looked like, uh, stat-wise, it looks like, but it just couldn't finish drives. And that's the biggest thing I saw of that game. And I don't think Alabama's in trouble. I think Alabama is still a dominant team we've seen. It's just they took the week off. It seemed like their practice wasn't probably that well, that good, and they just took the week off against Texas A&M. So I think Alabama's in trouble. I think they're not going to make the playoffs this year. So um, I think Georgia will find a way to beat them this because I think Georgia has the best athletes in the country right now, just based on their recruiting the last couple of years. And so Alabama could not afford to lose a game if they wanted to get to the playoff. And I think, because I think they're going to take another loss in the SEC championship game, but I could be wrong, but I feel like they're, you know, that opens up the door for another team to, to make the playoffs down the road, in my opinion. Um, let's talk a little bit about Oklahoma and Texas. This was another crazy game. So Texas jumps out to a 28 to seven lead. You think they're going to run away with this game. Oklahoma's in serious trouble. They bench Spencer Rattler. The freshman Femon, uh, Caleb Williams comes in. I know he runs off with a nice 66-yard rush um, and then, you know, has some really phenomenal passes throughout this game. Um, so a couple of questions here. What, what should we think of, of Oklahoma the rest of the way, Jordan? And what would if you were Spencer Rattler, what would you do? Um, it, I think it depends on this week. Um, if he starts this week, uh, I think Spencer Rattler will stay. And I think he's going to – I think getting benched in a big game like against Texas, he's going to come back. Um, last year, I'm pretty sure they played Texas in that uh, four-overtime game, and he got benched and then came back next week better than ever. So I think uh, it was a good call uh, by Oklahoma to bench him. I think he's going to come back next week strong and be a dominant force and consistent for him. Um, I think yeah, that's what I see. I, I don't see him transferring unless next week doesn't go what he doesn't start next week. That's yeah. I mean, I, I think if they're smart, they, they, they start Spencer Rattler, give him another opportunity, see how he does. And if he struggles at all, you know, you have a capable backup that you can throw in that runs your offense. And I think he actually runs the offense better than Spencer Rattler because Spencer Rattler is not a runner. He's more of a great thrower of the football where Caleb Williams is more of, He's run, run first, but they can also have a huge arm. He just throws it up. And no, I think those that's what Oklahoma needs is someone that can go out there and just throw it up the football, get those athletes in the receiving room to go out there and make some plays, um, which I think they've been missing all year. Um, where I think Texas ran into issues in this game is um, I feel like they got up to a nice lead and then they had a lot of three and outs. They're really a big play team where they're bigger busts. So they're either going to make some big plays in the offense or they're going to go a huge period of time where they're not making any plays at all. And I think that's when they need to depend more on um, their running back. They wanted the best running backs in the country, depend on him, let him run the game down. They should never have lost this game up 28-7. Have your running back just take the, the soul out of Oklahoma the rest of that game. And they didn't do that. They just, they tried to keep scoring in a, you know, boomer bust fashion. I don't think it did not serve them very well. Um, let's move it to another shootout. Um, Ole Miss versus Arkansas. Um, so I think all of us kind of talked about this game. We weren't sure how these teams were going to be coming out of the gate. We fought Ole Miss and Arkansas with their losses to Alabama and Georgia made this 
come off a little less fire just because of, you know, a little bit moralizing losses. But no, they don't care. They're going to go up there and just try to score as many points as they possibly can. And a really thrilling game, Ole Miss won 52 to 51 over Arkansas. Arkansas decided to go for two at the end of the game to win it instead of take the extra point. So, Ben, tell me about this game. Um, what did you think of it? And what did you think of that decision to go for two at the end? We, we could talk about this game, the whole podcast, right? It was, it's a great season to be a fan of college football because the games are insane. It's not that great to, to be a predictor of these games. <laughs> we really didn't think Arkansas was going to be able to fall for this game, at least not to this degree. And, and wow, did they show up. I'm very impressed by Arkansas in spite of the loss. Uh, I personally, and I know the data suggests otherwise about going for two a lot. And I understand over the course of a season, if you go for two a lot, you're going to come out on the winning end of it. Now, me personally, in, in some of these game ending situations, I tie the game up and then move forward from there. That's my own personal preference, and I know the data doesn't really suggest that. But again, I, I think a lot of times the data does not take into account the fact that other teams or for your quarterback and just put in a whole lot of pressure on your quarterback in those game-ending situations. So that's where I kind of go against the data a little bit. But a tremendous game. Both teams had over 600 yards of offense in this game. Both teams ran the ball for over 300 yards each. If you'd have told me that Arkansas would score 51 points in this game, I would have been shocked and I would have think, thought that they had won the game. But uh, a brutal two-game losing streak now for Arkansas. Very impressed by Ole Miss as well. Thrilling game all the way through. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's kind of what we expected, you know, with a Lane Kippen game. Not a lot of defense, right. a lot of offense. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, the two-point thing, I wonder if Arkansas, you know, after a big, you know, hard-fought game against Georgia where they just got dominated, if they just didn't have a lot of energy left towards the end of that game and decided, well, hey, what's this going to go for two, try to get this win and get out of here? Um, you know, I guess well, you can make, you know, I, they've had a good season. I just hope that doesn't derail their season because they decided to go for two there. So right. something, to, something to keep an eye on, though. So but that game, uh, Arkansas missed a – uh, field goal in the first half so they would have been up by two but also um, the drive before that Ole Miss uh, scored a 68 yard pass to uh, and only two plays so for a touchdown so uh, I, I think Arkansas went in and thinking that I don't think they could have handled them on defense or their defense couldn't have handled them again in overtime over yeah I mean that's a lot to ask I mean that's probably the best offense in the country um and, you know, you're, you're asking your depleted, probably tired defense to stop them in overtime where they only have to go 25 yards. So, you know, it's probably going to be a tough ask for any defense, especially one that's tired after that. Um, let's move into um, Jordan's favorite team, Iowa. Iowa with the big comeback um, against Penn State. Um, this was, I would definitely say, a defensive battle, um, which was unique for this really offensive type of day. Iowa won this game 23 to 20. I think Sean Clifford was knocked out with Penn State leading 17 to three and only scored three points after he was knocked out. So Iowa's defense looks really good, but I am worried about Penn State if Sean Clifford cannot come back quickly from that injury because that backup did not look good with the eight false starts that they had with him in there. So Jordan, you want to go into detail about your Hawkeyes? I mean, this is probably the closest game of the week 
I mean, uh, team wise, it was not closest in the score, like or like the 51, 52, but um, just overall team wise, I mean, they both only they both almost only had almost 300 yards um, total offense. It was just a defensive game. And I think I'm a huge Iowa, you know, Iowa is doing great this year, but I think their offense needs to figure something out because their defense can't stop everyone. And so, I mean, everyone's saying Spencer Rattler getting knocked out or Sean Clifford getting knocked out and getting made Iowa come back and win this game. But their defense was playing great the whole game. It's just their offense needs to figure out what they need. They can do. I mean, their, their quarterback only had 195 passing yards. Um, just I was, it's the biggest thing is I was offense. Um, and also I, if this was at Penn state, I think I would have, would have lost uh, the home field advantage for teams. And it, you could see it. You saw it Penn state, Auburn, if Auburn, it was at Auburn, Penn State would have lost that game as well. And I think big home field, especially a Big Ten game where three versus four, yeah, it was just, it was, this was a meant to, a game, a big, this was a Big Ten game. That it, slow offenses, big defenses, that, that this was a Big Ten football game. And it was awesome to watch. No, yeah, it definitely was. You know, I, I am worried about Iowa's offense as well. I think the good thing for them is I don't think they play anybody that really is going to challenge them the rest of this way. I mean, you would have said Wisconsin earlier in the season, but I, you know, Wisconsin is just a mess of a football team right now. So I don't even know if they're going to be able to do. I mean, you could have said Penn State or Minnesota too. Yeah, but every all they, those they teams, lost their running back. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those teams have issues with injuries or or just something happened with the team. It's not the chemistry is not right this year, so. I was probably going to walk into the Big Ten um, championship game undefeated, going against Ohio State, and that's I just don't. They're good defensively, but I, I just don't see how they're going to slow down Ohio State and score enough to keep up with them. But that's for another podcast, I guess. Um, let's move on to the some of the rest of the games. So let's start with uh, Michigan and Nebraska. Um, this was a close game, probably closer than Michigan would have liked. Um, it was a thirty-two twenty-nine victory for. Um, Michigan and I, you know, I think all of us thought that Nebraska put up a little bigger of a fight because of how they looked against Oklahoma and other teams. But um, it was interesting just to see the contracts of style. They look very similar teams, honestly. They they look like you know, if it was on a neutral field, uh, they, could, they could be five and five if each team winning five games, uh, which is not a good thing for Michigan if they're trying to be a top team in the country. Um, you know, I think they're basically Adrian Martinez fumble, you know, recovery away from losing this game, but you know, that didn't happen. So, uh, I just want to say Michigan, they really need to continue to work on the passing game and really work on continuing to make turnovers happen in the defensive side. I just, I see having a hard time seeing them beat, um, Ohio state, Michigan state, who I think is going to. I think going to beat up on Michigan. And then you also have Penn state. If Sean Clifford's back, I think all three of those are going to give Michigan trouble this year. Anybody have any, any thoughts on this one? Yeah. You know, Michigan, when you watch them play, you, you kind of keep coming back to the same things this year. Defense looks pretty tough. The running game at times is explosive. The passing game actually showed up a little bit against Nebraska what I really liked about Michigan this game, and I, I don't think they're a top 10 team. I really don't think they fit into that category. But what I really did like about Michigan 
uh, Saturday night against Nebraska is Nebraska comes roaring back in the late third, early fourth quarter. Nebraska has all the momentum. The crowd is going crazy. And, and Michigan could have folded, but they didn't. They actually worked their way back into the lead very quickly and kind of controlled the rest of that game. And, and it's not unusual to see even good teams in that situation just kind of fold under that emotion. And, and Michigan, to their credit, even though I still don't think they're a top 10 football team, Michigan, to their credit, didn't fold in spite of, in spite of all the emotion and the momentum going against them. Nebraska, man, three and four, they, they really should have a better record than three and four. They have played some of these teams so tough. Um, to me, I, I've seen enough to where I'm, I'm more than happy for Scott Frost to come back for the next couple of seasons. If I'm a Nebraska fan, I understand three and four isn't going to make, make anybody happy. But they've been in these games against teams that have better talent levels. And I like what I've seen from Nebraska so far this year as well. No, I agree. If I was them, I'd definitely keep Scott Frost at least one more season to see. Well, I think the biggest thing for him, he needs a quarterback. Uh, Adrian Martinez mm -hmm. is a great quarterback, great runner, but he's not an accurate passer. And I think if Scott Frost, <laughs> you know, think of those Central Florida teams that Scott Frost had that were just dynamic offensive. He needs that to happen in Nebraska because if you can make that happen in Nebraska with some decent defense to go along with it in the Big Ten I think he, he'll go a long way there I just who knows if they're gonna let him have it he, he has to win some of these games coming up against like Minnesota's of the world and they have to right. they have to finish at least 500 I think to to keep him right. at least one more season but yeah Tony I'm with you on Michigan I think Ohio State's I think it's, Ohio State game is gonna be a blowout I I, I don't um they let Nebraska Average 10.4 yards per pass. So, I mean, C.J. Stroud's a lot better than Nebraska's quarterback. So, I think Michigan's not going to have a chance to go to the Big Ten Championship this year just because of Ohio State being so dominant on offense. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to another uh, crazy, crazy game. Notre Dame and uh, Virginia Tech, um, the podcast favorite team, Notre Dame. They give us assignment every single week, whether we want them to or not. Um, so coming into this game, I know I did the preview for this game and it, earlier in last week, and I said, you know, I think Notre Dame's going to be good the rest of the season. I think Drew Pine is going to steady them on the quarterback position. And then Drew Pine didn't even play because Brian Kelly decided that Jack Cohn is where he wanted to stick with um, because of going to this these crazy environments like Blacksburg and he can study the team well. Jacko did more of the same where he was getting sacked and couldn't get any offense going for the first quarter and a half. And so Tyler Buckner came in, the freshman, true freshman quarterback, threw some really good deep passes, you know, got Notre Dame up with a lead in the first half. Um, and then he kind of fell apart as a freshman does. And Jack Cohn came and saved him. Um, so Jordan, tell me about this game. What, what do we make of Notre Dame? What would you do in this quarterback quarterback room who do you start going forward with them on a bye week they have time to get Butner ready or do you go back to Cone to kind of finish it or do you use both of them going forward or three of them I, I don't know I say um I think they should just get not care about record and I think they should stay with Cone but also put in Buckner Payne just put on drives just because they're not gonna make the college football playoffs with the way they're playing um, they might make a, a good bowl, but bowls don't really matter anymore. So. No, sir. So, no, sir. I can't believe you just said that. Um, so a big bowl. Notre Dame has not won a big bowl in so many years. What they need to do, finish 
get to like the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl, be a good team, finish 12 and one, and get some momentum going to play Ohio State in the first game next year. That's what they need. But I, I agree to your point, though. They got to get Buckner ready because he's the starter next year. Um, and I think to do that, they need to go back to that Ever Golston, Tommy Reese type of offense that they had where Golston would start, Tommy Reese would come in and just finish the job basically as a closer on those close games where they needed two minute drives. I think that's where they need to do because that worked perfectly. Buckner got him in a good position and Jack Cohn finished it out. That's where I kind of think they need to go anyway. Yeah, I, I just don't know if they practiced enough this the week before, prior to the game with Buckner because he didn't look comfortable in the game. I mean, need, oh, he, no QB does, but I don't think they put him there. They didn't give him the shot, the time he needed. They didn't need give him the time in practice and let him be take the reins of the offense. I agree. I, I don't think their plan was to play him this much. They were hoping Cone would be the starter all year and they would bring him in for running packages. What you saw him come into the game this week and he, he ran a lot. Uh, honestly, most of his offense was for, for run, but then it opened up the passing game, which they allowed him to do this, this week for the first time. Which I, I think they have, a, they have a bye week coming up. They have two weeks to prepare him if they wanted to get him ready. I just don't know if he's fully ready. I just think you have to play him at some point, though, because I feel like Cohn is just, with that offensive line, still a little shaky. I just don't think he's ready to go in there and just play the whole game and get you enough offense. But we can talk about Notre Dame all day long. Look for our Notre Dame podcast next year, folks. Um, but I'm just interested to see what Notre Dame does the rest of the season. I feel like they can win out, but I also feel like they can win every, lose every game. So who knows what you're going to get with Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Georgia. I still think Georgia is the um, best foot team in um, college football. They won an easy game against Auburn, 24 to 10. Honestly, they had their backup quarterback, um, Stetson Bennett, playing again. And, I mean, they didn't have to do much. Um, they had only 231 yards with the backup quarterback. They didn't need to throw it. They just had to run it all over Auburn. Auburn couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't make any offense happen. Um, I think they had a first drive, they scored a field goal, and they scored seven points the rest of the game. So that's how dominant Georgia was in this one. So, Jordan, tell me about Georgia here. Are we, are we thinking they're the best team in college football? Yeah, I, I definitely think they're the best team, especially with that, the loss um, Alabama had. If it was if it was a 21-14 loss, yeah, but how much – how the score was for the Alabama game, I just think their defense isn't isn't there as as good as it used to be. So I think Georgia's that team that is going to be the best team in football, and I don't think Georgia, Alabama will have a chance in um, if they make it to the SEC championship game to beat Georgia. And so um, they just – and this, the big thing is Georgia backup played pretty well against the Auburn team that is not an awful team by any means. So I just think Georgia is that team that it is going to be the team to beat for this year, at least. Yeah, I agree. I just wonder if that offense, I'm thinking of matchups. So say Ohio State makes the college football playoff. You know, I feel like Ohio State's going to be able to score on this Georgia defense, and will Georgia be able to keep up on the offensive side? That's the only thing that worries me. But that defense is, might not even allow any points. I don't know. This defense is pretty dominant. Um, I just don't know if they played any really special offensive teams to, to this point. We thought Clemson was, but obviously you've seen Clemson since that game, and 
who else have they played? I'm interested. You know, we'll talk about it a little later. I'm interested to see this Kentucky game because Kentucky does refer to ball a lot. They run the ball, which is running right into Georgia's strength. So be interested to see how that one goes as well. Um, let's talk about Wake Forest and Syracuse. So uh, we mentioned Wake Forest at the end of last week's podcast as being the only undefeated team left in ACC. This week, they had to hold on and survive against Syracuse 40 to 37. Um, Sam Hartman continues to shine 330 yards passing. I remember watching him in his freshman, one of his freshman <laughs> debuts against Notre Dame, and he he struggled. And this thinking four years later, he's just a complete quarterback now. It's just a total 360 there. Uh, but now he's gotten Wake Forest to a 6 0 start in the first time in 77 years. Um, and, and this was a you know closer game they probably would like against Syracuse, but I think that's just what you know you have to do when you're Wake Forest. We don't have as much talent as other teams may have. So Ben, what you, what your takeaways here on the Wake Forest group? I, I'm right there with you about Wake Forest. They they're squeezing every ounce, every ounce they can out of the talent they've got. They're very efficient. They're very well coached. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They're sound on defense. Hartman is experienced and, and just only threw one interception on Saturday, like you said, for over 300 yards. So they're they're the best team in the ACC at the moment but not by much. Uh, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. They are the best team, but they, they've had struggles against Louisville, struggled against Syracuse this past week. They gave up 350 yards on the ground to the Orange this week. So they're vulnerable just in the ACC alone. Even We don't have to go out of conference. They can start losing some of these games. It wouldn't be a surprise. But Dave Clawson's got them running very efficiently. They are squeezing every ounce they can out of the talent they've got. They're 6-0. and They've got a lot of reasons to be happy and excited, and they could and probably should very well win the ACC this year, even though they may have a couple of losses on the way. I totally agree. Um, you know, we don't have that the game in, in our preview section this week, Wake Forest against Boston College. No, they don't play Boston College. Sorry. They play Army this week. Well, that's why we do not have them um, this week. So. <laughs> I, blame, I blame Jordan for the bad intel um, audience. Uh, I heard it on this podcast. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. But Army should be a pretty decent contest for them. I know Army – I know when Notre Dame plays military schools, it's always a weird challenge because they run 98% of the time. So, it's interested to see how, you know, if they slow it down, it gets Wake Forest, how that, how that game will go with those different contrasts. Especially Army has been really good the last couple of years. So, um, we'll see how that goes. I, I, I think Wake Forest will probably pull, find a way to pull that one out, though. All right. Um, let's talk about one final game before we get to our predictions for next week. Um, Kentucky dominates LSU, which I don't know if I've ever would have said that sentence in my life, but they dominated 42 to 21 over LSU. Honestly, there's no way this, this should be happening. LSU has all the talent in the world. I don't know what Ed Oregon, Oregon is doing there. Um, I know he won the national championship just two years ago. Uh, but I got to think this has got to be the nail in the coffin for his coaching job there at LSU. Uh, Jordan, what happened in this game? LSU couldn't stop the run. I mean, you know, Kentucky had three guys almost have 100-plus rushing yards, and I, it, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we always see LSU be able to pass, stop, you know, passing teams and all that, but the last two years, LSU hasn't, I think it's it goes down to LSU not having a, a quarterback that is as dominant as Joe Burrow, and we've we've seen LSU like this multiple times. I mean, their offense always doesn't show up. I mean, uh, 
a few years ago against Alabama was that field goal game that just was literally just field goals every the whole game. It's LSU's the offense just doesn't look good, but um, Kentucky rushing uh, outstanding, and I think this game, this test, this uh, Georgia game is going to be the biggest test for them this year, um, just because they run the ball so much, and Georgia's a amazing defensive rushing team. So, but I mean, this game, Kentucky just looks good, and with. You know, you never hear that. You always hear basketball from Kentucky, but they look good in football this year, and it's it's good to see. It's good to see. Yeah, they are. They're they're really they play you really tough on defense, and they just sort of wear you down on offense. Their quarterback, you know, he doesn't do a lot. I think he threw 145 yards, three touchdowns. Um, but Will Levis is his name, and and he was the backup at Penn State before he transferred to be the starter at Kentucky. So I'm bet you that Penn State wishes that he was still at Penn State for this past weekend. Um because that was a terrible quarterback performance there. Um but yeah it's just, I, I think LSU is going to part ways with um Oregon there and I think they just need to find someone that can really take advantage of that talent, get a good quarterback in place and really just do some great unique offense because the old ways of this wearing you down on defense and running the ball a lot. I think everybody in the SEC has pretty much moved away from that, except for like a Georgia and Kentucky. You have to have that, you know, you have to have to be excellent in those areas. If you have any type of down year, then you're not going to be able to do, you know, as well as you want to do there. Um, so interested to see. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I think LSU's in for a coaching change. All right. Let's talk about the next uh, top five games next week. I, I will say, after this past weekend, it, it's going to be a drop off, but this is a pretty steep drop off for me. I, I see there's a lot there's a lot of teams on bye because it's the halfway point of the season, so you're you're not going to get those too sexy of a matchup. So, let's start off with Oklahoma State at Texas. Um, I've been going back and forth on this game. Oklahoma State has a outstanding defense, but a terrible offense. So that's what's holding me back. I feel like Texas will be able to wear them down a bit and be able to score enough big plays as we talked about before, but will that defense be able to stop them enough to, you know, score for their offensive score enough to, to win this game? I don't think so. I think Texas pulls this one out 31 to 28 um, in a very close game. How about you, Jordan? I had the Texas as, as just like you. I just think Oklahoma state hasn't proven themselves. I mean, they played Missouri state the first game of the year and almost lost. So and so I just don't think tech, uh, Oklahoma State has proven that they can beat a team like Texas that probably should have beat Oklahoma, but just ended up short. So I just I have Texas winning 35-31. All the things you said spot on with that. Ben, do you agree? This is probably the most agreement we've had on any game this year. So, of course, we're all going to be wrong this week. But <laughs> I actually had the exact same score, 31 to 28, uh, Texas. It really, these two teams are very evenly matched, even though they do different things. I think Oklahoma State can run the ball enough, play defense enough to keep the score tight, keep it from being quite the shootout we saw last week with Oklahoma and Texas. But I do think Texas comes out on the, on the winning side of this. I think they can run the football. I think they've got the big plays. I think they've got the confidence now. Even though they lost that game, I think they've seen what they can be, and they're playing at home. So I'll take Texas in this game. All right. Uh, next game, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was really looking forward to this game. Um, Central Florida at Cincinnati. 
you know, D Dylan Gabriel is out um, in this game. So I think everybody would assume this one's going to be an easy one for Cincinnati. I just think that Gus Malzahn, give him a couple weeks to get a backup quarterback ready. I think this offense will be good. And I think they'll score a lot of points. And I think Cincinnati's, you know, going to be a little shock shock with the amount of points and not knowing the quarterback as well as they did Dylan Gabriel. And I think they pull up a, a big shocker here, 45 to 42 um, with Central Florida winning. Jordan, what do you say? I'm with you on that one. I, I think it, this is going to come be another, it's going to be like Alabama going into the week against Texas A&M. Um, they're going to have, Cincinnati is going to have a week where it's like, oh, it's UCF. Um, it's no big deal. But I think UCF, just like you said, big scoring team. Um, and this honestly, besides Notre Dame game for Cincinnati, this might be a big test for them because they don't, they haven't played anyone that gave them trouble, but that Notre Dame game. So I think UCF's going to pull it off. Uh, close one, 38-35, but they just, uh, yeah. All right, Ben, I have a feeling you disagree with this one. So what, what do you say yeah. here? I was wondering if both of you guys were going to stick to that upset prediction when I saw it in the uh, in the agenda. So I'm proud of you guys for sticking to your guns on that. Um, by the way, you know, we, we've all been tempted to call some upset this year and haven't really done so. And looking back, wish we had. Now, for me personally, this one isn't too tempting. I, I just haven't seen enough from – uh, UCF to actually pick them in this game. I've got Cincinnati up 38 to 17 for, for a couple of reasons. Cincinnati looks like they've just got it locked in right now. They really look dialed in. And, and, and there are some teams like the Oklahomas and like Notre Dame's who are just kind of scratching by every week. Um, Cincinnati really looks like they're just locked in right now. That doesn't mean they can't lose a game on the schedule somewhere. I'm just not going to pick that for this week. So I've got Cincinnati 38 to 17. Sounds good. And um, just to let you know, Notre Dame does not scratch by. They like to entertain the fans, make some close games. <laughs> they have it in the pocket the whole time. Just to, just to throw it I back stand correct, Tony. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so Kentucky at Georgia. So um, we talked a little bit about this one before. I I want to call this be a close game. I want to say that it's going to be this really grind them out, you know, tough battle, down, you know, SEC type old defensive battle. I just don't. I thought that was going to happen with Arkansas and Georgia, and I feel like Kentucky is just the same type of team as as Arkansas. So I think the same type of results are going to happen. So um, I have Georgia winning thirty five to fourteen. Jordan. Ah, uh, yeah, I have Georgia winning uh, forty two to twenty one. Uh, I just don't see Kentucky, at least this year, be a dominant force. Um, if if play they get players with the season they're having, I can see Kentucky maybe beating a Georgia at some point, but I just, Georgia just, their defense looks like they have the biggest chip on their shoulder and they want to destroy every team they play by 30 plus points. So I, I got Georgia. All right. Ben, do you agree? Yes. As a college football fan in general, and as a, you know, lover of chaos specifically, there's nothing I'd like better than to see Kentucky come out and win this game. It would completely open up the can for every team in the top 20 this year to make it into the final four. But I just don't see that happening for all the reasons you guys already discussed. Now, that Georgia defense, and, it, you know, if you were to compare the Georgia defense to the Iowa defense, what's the difference? You know, Iowa's got just as much experience. They're just as well coached. 
But the Georgia defense has all that NFL-level talent, that athleticism. It's the ability of a linebacker to literally hunt down a quarterback. It's the ability of the, corner, of the, of the cornerbacks to, to really kind of dominate their matchups. It, I mean, it, they just have it all the way across the board. I don't see Kentucky having enough to make this a game. So I've got Georgia here. I think 34 to 13 is what I picked. Um, I, it's just kind of how I see the game going this time. Yeah, I totally agree. I have a, a defensive pieces there. I, I think, um, you know, with the talent and the, the way they're playing, it's going to be hard for anybody going to beat them. So because we said that, hopefully it does chaos does happen and they do lose and we can have some good things to talk about next week. Um, right. Alabama and Mississippi State. So I think this one's going to be a little closer than people think. Um, I know Alabama is going to come in angry, but, you know, Mississippi State hasn't been playing too bad. They, they've been like, Plays a pretty good defense, okay offense. So I think they'll come in here and challenge it for a little bit. So I have Alabama win 52 to 31. I think Alabama does pull away in the second half and makes this one look easy um, and takes out a little bit of frustration. Uh, but I think it's a little closer than anything. I think Mike Leach will have these guys ready to go for a little offense. Um, Jordan, what about you? I got Alabama. I, I, you can't not pick Alabama, even after a loss last week. Um, even if you want to play the – Mississippi State beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M beat Alabama. So basically, Mississippi State beat Alabama. I mean, basically, but, basically it happened. So we, yeah, that's, that's how even, it works. They don't even need to play this game, honestly. No, that's <laughs> how it works always. Um, but I got it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a slow game for Alabama in the first half. I think, like you said, um, they're going to pull away in the second half. I got Alabama winning thirty-five to twenty-one. Um, I think Mississippi State. With their record being three and two, have not really shown anyone that they're a good team. But I think against Alabama, especially being in Mississippi State and after Alabama losing, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people would think. All right. Ben, what do you say, sir? I've got Alabama 42 to 17. If if, if we were to project this game two years down the road, when Mike Leach kind of gets the guys in there to kind of do what he wants to do, I would predict this game a lot closer. I think Alabama, like you said, Tony, is going to come in angry. I think they're going to come in well-prepared. I think they're going to come in laser-focused. I don't know if they weren't focused last week, but they're going to be focused this week. I I, I think this game might be over by halftime, personally. Um, It's not that I don't think Mississippi State can hang around. It's just looking at both of these teams heading into this particular week, I I think Alabama is going to get up early and and just stay on top of them. 42-17, Alabama. All right. And the final one is TCU at Oklahoma. Um, so I look at this game in a couple different ways. So either they start the freshman quarterback and he struggles a bit or Spencer Rattler comes in and struggles a bit. But I think one of the quarterbacks is going to struggle um, just because, you know, now we got a little bit of film on Caleb Williams. There are going to be some things that they could check out and stop her from doing and I think he's a little more of like that Brett Farvin when he'll throw any kind of crazy pass and it might hurt him eventually with interceptions but Spencer Adler if he can just turn it around and get his focus back because you mentioned like he did last year I think they'll come in here and play really well but I feel like this is gonna be a close game TCU has some really good players their quarterback backs Duggan is a really good player um, has one of the best running backs in the country um, was one of the top recruits in the country I think a year or two ago um, I, I feel like they're going to be able to do some things, and the defense is decent. So I see this one being a close one, but Oklahoma pulls it out 24 to 21. Jordan, what about you? Um, I'm with you on Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a little – Oklahoma's going to win by a little more, 35 uh, to 14. I just 
Texas, uh, TCU looks, you know, they've lost two games to Texas and SMU and SM, SMU's undefeated still, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, you know, you can't really pick those games to be anything. And, and they weren't blowouts. They were pretty close. So I, I see it being closer. I don't think Oklahoma, especially coming off the week they had and uh, Spencer Rattler not playing that well. If they start him, I think it's going to be a slow and roll game until the second half once they put the backup in. So I got Oklahoma. Got you. Ben. I've got Oklahoma 45 to 28 in this game. TCU has scored some points this year, but they also give up points. Oklahoma, you, you, I may be wrong on this. It feels like they've turned a corner. They just kind of played sick and anemic all year long. Whether or not that's completely Spencer Rattler's fault, I, I don't know. If it were me, I know there's a lot to consider, but if it were me, I would ride the momentum of that Texas game. Caleb Williams would start. He would play the whole game. And with all due respect, Spencer Rattler, I would take the mistakes that we know Caleb Williams is going to make, but I would just unleash the whole offense. I wouldn't take, I wouldn't hold anything back. I, I would just keep trying to do exactly what I did against Texas and, and just ride that through the season because you're not going to win a championship playing the way you played the first five or six games of this year if you're Oklahoma. So I would, I would start Caleb Williams. I would take the mistakes and I would just open up the entire offense for the rest of the year and you get what you get. Well, I get it. Um, you know, that's a tough decision as a coach because honestly, coming into the season, especially Rattler, number one, you know, draft, you know, and you're going to bench him and that could really hurt his career. Honestly, you're hurting his kid's career if you do it. And then Absolutely. what does that tell, what does that tell other recruits? Like, you know, I kind of think, but I kind of think back to Nick Saban making this decision with from Jalen Hurts, benching him in a national championship game. I mean, that's got to be worse. Um, and, you know, he had a, they both ended up having a good career, him and Tua. Uh, so you got to kind of look at that. I mean, what's – I mean, I go one or two ways now. Caleb Wibbs getting here, he can make those mistakes, and mistakes may cost you a game, or Spencer Rattler's mistakes may cost you a game. You're right. kind of, you know, depending on what you want to do there, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm really looking forward to this. It's probably my, my top game to watch this week because I, I want to see how Oklahoma comes out because they – really emotional game against Texas. It's very easy to have a letdown week the following week. And so will that happen against TCU? You know, that could be another big upset that we're talking about next week. So but like you like you, you said about Oklahoma, you know, recruiting wise, you know, benching. Um, if they don't bench if they do bench him, I think recruits won't they'll they'll see it as a, you know, this guy really wants to win wise, instead of playing the better, playing the QB that is supposed to be the best better the QB. So I, I think it's it'll it'll add to recruiting because they're like, oh, this guy wants to win, so he's going to put in the backup, other than having this name brand QB that people think is going to be a great, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. I, what I think it may run into issues is if you know if you're a quarterback, you like if I struggle, are you just going to pull me and pull the next guy in, and then I don't have a chance to get my job back? But it's now, taken. But now this this case four weeks. It, since for Spencer it. Allard, to your point, has struggled all year, and he's not like doing a Nick Saban where you struggle one game and you re you yank him. You you struggle all year, so you know I, I don't think as as like Riley, I don't think you should even worry about recruiting. You should go out there do what's best for your team to win a national championship this year. And if you think Caleb Williams could do that, to your point, Ben, why wait to start him? Start him right now. There's no point to play around with this. You know, I think you'll lose the locker room if you throw Spencer Rattler and he continues to play the way he's been playing. So. Um, all right. Let's talk about playoff predictions because mine are totally different um, this week. 
I have took Alabama, kicked them to the curve. They're no longer in the playoff. Um, I have Georgia. I have Cincinnati. I have Ohio State, and I have Oklahoma. So my reasoning, I think Georgia will win the SEC champ. Will go undefeated for the regular season. Beat Alabama in SEC championship, which gives Alabama two losses. Means Georgia's number one seed in the playoffs. Cincinnati. I called the the loss this week, but I have Cincinnati in there right now just because I don't know if they actually will take that loss. Honestly, they take one loss or out, so they're really kind of on the fence there, but I have them in right now. Um, Ohio State is playing like one of the best teams in the country, even after they took a couple weeks after their loss to Oregon to get going, but I think they're finally got the offense going, the defense. Those young defensive players are coming to, to play now, so I think they're definitely making the playoffs. I have Oklahoma in because I feel like Oklahoma is going to run a table now if Caleb Williams is good. But this is really a chaotic playoff because I could easily see Oklahoma taking a couple losses. I could see Ohio State taking a never loss. Cincinnati could take a loss. This could totally be different. But Jordan, what do you say? I got George. I got Alabama still in. I think even a two-loss Alabama will no, no, hop a no. one-loss. I, I, yeah. No. That, um, Georgia a, in? No, no. If they get two losses, they don't need to be in there. There's going to be a never one-loss team somewhere in this world. Even, that could take even with a one-loss team, they lost to Texas A&M in a close one. And then Georgia in the SEC Conference Championship. Okay. So I have, I have take... a scenario, scenario for you. Notre Dame. Let's just talk because that's our team, right? So Notre Dame runs the table. They're 11-1. and one. Their only loss is the Cincinnati, which if, say, they go undefeated, Cincinnati is a top-two team in the country. Their only loss is to a top-two team where Alabama has two losses. And, a, you know, now obviously Jordan Notre Dame has looked good, but there's going to be other teams like that that can make a similar case. You know, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. Have Michigan State. Their only loss is to, like, a, a really close game in Ohio State, and they only have one loss. You're going to take – Alabama over them. I, I just don't think that's fair. Alabama has a play good. They barely beat Florida. They haven't looked great in every game. So I just don't but, think they get in. But if they beat Georgia, it'll be Alabama, well, that's Georgia. Different. That's different if they, they beat That's the thing. Georgia, I, I think that Alabama this week is going to have a practice like no other. They're going to watch film from Florida and Texas A&M, and they're going to see that when they motion players, when offense is moving around before the snap, they they can't stop them. That's that was the biggest thing against the Texas A&M, biggest thing against Florida. So I think they're gonna figure it out. And I think, it, it, like you said earlier, Georgia's a slow roll team, especially on offense. Um, and Alabama feeds off that. They can't teams can't go slow, and that's what Georgia is. So I, I can see them win. Alabama maybe going in and winning that conference championship game. That's my thought. My idea. I got Iowa and Ohio State. Those are my toss-up. It, it'll be if Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship against Iowa, Ohio State's in, and then Cincinnati is the fourth. But if Iowa somehow beats Ohio State or whoever's in the Big Ten championship, it's going to push Ohio. Iowa's going to be in. That's well, who my toss-up. Okay, so if, if Iowa's in, would Cincinnati be in there with them? Is that is that what you're thinking? Yes, if Cincinnati wins out and their conference championship game. I think Cincinnati will be in. It, it's gonna. It, my two are. It's either gonna be Ohio, Iowa, and Cincinnati, or Ohio State and Cincinnati. It's gonna be whoever wins. It's gonna whoever wins the Big Ten this, championship. It's gonna be whoever wins the Big Ten championship. That's who's gonna be the in the four. Sounds good. Um, ben, do you agree with some of the picks we said here? 
Yeah. At the end of the day, I just agree that it's a big mess. I mean, you've got <laughs> Georgia. We all feel pretty good about Georgia, but even they struggled the first game of the year against the Clemson team that can't get out of their own way anymore. Um, so everybody's vulnerable. Personally, when I do, when I sit down and do my own rankings uh, for our company, I, I think after Georgia, number two through 17, I, I think you could toss them in a bag, pull them out, two teams and have a great game. I, I think that the top 17 teams are just that close this year. So I'm going to pick a final four, but I expect it to change every week to the month of October. I think the big 10 is fixing to just do a lot of damage to each other with those top teams. Yeah. A lot of them are going to be playing each other. I think the same thing in the big 12, it remains to be seen if somehow by some miracle, Oregon can work their way through that Pac-12 schedule. Um, it, it's a mess. So I've got Georgia, Iowa, Cincinnati, and just because Alabama is always who they are, I've got Alabama as the fourth right now. But I, I don't feel good about any of that, to be honest. Guys, the title of this podcast is The Turning of the Tides, which means we're turning and getting <laughs> Alabama out of here. Okay, guys? You got to understand that's where the podcast theme here. You're not following the theme. Um, let's talk about predictions for the Heisman, if anything has changed there. So um, I got Bryce Young still in there. He, even though he, I think he had a little uneven performance, he still had a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. I mean, it was a close loss there, so we can't blame him for that. Uh, but John Robinson, you know, looked good. I still don't think they're using him enough. So I think he'll start fading if they don't use him. Uh, C.J. Stroud for Ohio State just, you know, continues to look excellent. I, none of good things to say about him. Um, Desmond Riddler, all he does is win. So, you know, I think he's leading his team in the right direction. And then Kenneth Walker for Michigan State um, right now is playing as the best, one of the best running backs in the country and is just putting on a show each week for Michigan State. So those are my um, Heisman finalists right now. But much like the playoffs, this feels like it could change every single week because it's not a really consistent person out there. But um, Jordan, what do you say? I have Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and uh... – Kenny Pickett, baby. Kenny Pickett, baby. Oh Lord. Um, and can we pronounce the guy's name right? It's Kenneth Walker the third. Um, you forgot the third at the end. I did. I was talking about his dad, I guess. Sorry, but that. And then uh, Robinson, I still have, and Matt uh, Coral. Coral. Uh, Matt Coral. Yeah. He he's still playing good. I mean, he had a a de- he still had a decent game against his, the the one loss against Alabama. And he had, he was he played well against uh, Arkansas. So I think he's still in the picture. I think he will probably be in the picture for until the end, just because he's explosive and gets a lot of yards. All right, Ben, what do you say, sir? I I have no problem with any of the names you guys are throwing out there. And I think we're starting to kind of sort of get a consensus that uh, uh, C.J. Stroud with Ohio State, Bryce Young with Alabama, they're kind of sort of starting to maybe kind of arrange their seats for New York at least, even if they're not going to win the award, just knowing how the voters tend to vote. I I still think Desmond Ritter kind of belongs up in that conversation with the way he's played and with the huge win against at Notre Dame. That's a huge thing for him. Uh, so I, I don't have any problem with that kind of being the expected norm. But if the, if the voters are going to step up this year and look outside the box a little bit, outside of quarterback, outside of regular programs, we've still got Grayson McCall, who continues to light it up all over the football field. I, I, he, he almost never throws an incomplete pass anymore. They're going up against inferior teams to a degree, but he had 365 yards, 18 of 23 this past week. 
Uh, Drake London, wide receiver for Southern Cal, continues to impress. He had 60 more catches for 162 yards this week and I think a touchdown. Um, and, and then uh, Brennan Armstrong for Virginia, who's got no chance to win this award. He passed for um, three. He actually this week, uh, sorry, for the season, he's passing 395 yards per game. Uh, we're up to six games now. Uh, he's just throwing the football all over the field. And, and Virginia's actually four and two because of that. They beat uh, Louisville by a point this past season. So it, it's a mess here in, in the Heisman. Nobody has stepped up. It's anybody's race. Even somebody we're not talking about right now could actually have a great season for the second half and, and win this award. So there's a lot there that can happen in the Heisman. One quick note for, for those of you in the audience, I, you, most of you already know we're connected to Championship Sports Media, all three of us. Roll over there after our podcast is done. Look at the website. There's a lot of great articles up, uh, especially if you like college football. Tony and Jordan both. They won't say this for themselves, but I'll say it for them. They put out a lot of articles, especially Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You'll see a lot of excellent articles from both Tony and Jordan. Previews especially. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to get college football previews. We do a lot of that. They do a lot of that. And then a weekend wrap-up as well. So you want to slide over to Championship Sports Media. Look for Tony and Jordan, and we have lots of other great writers as well. Yep, thank you for the plug, um, Ben. A lot of, you know, and there's a lot of great writers out there doing a lot of great previews and predictions and, and talking about the season. So follow along with us there. I mean, there's just a lot of good content um, that you can get for free. We're not behind a paywall yet. Um, so right. you get it while you can. Um, so yeah, I think that takes care of um, this week in college football. Uh, next week, we hope to have this is a exciting week to talk about. Um, if not, I know we have a good preview, um, you know, for next week as there's a lot of good games coming the week after. Uh, I know highlighted there's like I think Ohio State, Penn State, Notre Dame, USC will play the week after. So it should be some really good contests coming up. Um, so with that, we'll bid you adieu and we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.